Welcome to the world of digital sound. Hey there, good people of the internet. Welcome, welcome. This is Ken. This is, uh, what is this? This is the Ken Burton Show, which doesn't exist anymore. So <laughs> this is just podcast stories. It's podcast stories, guys. Uh, it's a little bit echoing here. Sorry about that. But I have uh, completely dismantled the office. And uh, at the moment, we're looking at bare walls with painted, newly painted ceiling and all of shit that was on the walls has come off and I'll be putting up some nice pictures and we'll probably be using this room for uh, another wardrobe or a spare box room or something uh, because I no longer will have an office at home of course don't need one anymore so anyway um, quite a few people have been asking me are you going to still do the podcast stories and I've thought about it and I've thought oh god you know I don't know don't know have I got the time you know have I got the inclination the patience have I, um, oh, burp through my nose, then. good God. Uh, have I, um, have I got the momentum, really, to do it? And do you know what? That's going to be judged on, I think, and I hate to do this, but I, I really think it's going to be done on the next donations uh, figure. If, if I get, if I get uh, enough donations and you, you know how to do this, just go to the Podcast Stories website, hit the donate button, uh, then I'll do another one. Or I'll, you know, as soon as we hit uh, the right numbers on the donations, I'll do another one. Uh, and if we don't hit that, then I, I don't think I will, to be honest. I don't think I will. Anyway, um, this is <laughs> perhaps something that... Uh, God, I'm not even sure I should be talking about this. I don't even know that this guy must be dead. I mean, he must be. Uh, but anyway, let's let's do the burb. Um, some, all, none parts of this podcast story may or may not be true. It is up to you, the listener, to decide. And put that in the comments in the comments section, which will go up on... Uh, the, where am I going to put this? Oh, the Ken Burton Show? I'll put it on the Ken Burton Show channel. It's all getting very confusing. <laughs> Um, but all characters are fictional unless stated otherwise. And I've already got the chewing gum in. Would you believe that? Anyway, right, let's <laughs> let's get on with where we're going with this. So, a little while ago, um, a friend of mine said something about the podcast stories. And he said, do you know what the one story you haven't told that I'm surprised at is Harold. And I thought, fuck, Harold. I haven't even thought about Harold in like... Oh, God, in 25 years. Oh, bloody hell. Right, let me explain to you who Harold is. Uh, or Harold was. Harold was a thorn in my ass. <laughs> when I when I first got the flat, uh, I had the flat for maybe six months, and I moved around a bit, actually, in the same kind of uh, block of flats, uh, because some of them were studios, and some of them were two beds, and some were three beds, and, you know, and I, I eventually, after about a year, I think, moved into one of the luxury ones, and uh, it was nice, it was, you know, it was a nice flat. Right opposite my flat, just across the car park, were a number of other flats, the studios, the two beds, there were no luxury ones over that side. And uh, I guess, I guess we're going back to when I was probably 21, 22, in the height of all the shit that I was involved in at that time. And if you don't know what I mean by that, 
please go and listen to the other podcasts. Um, but I guess it was about then that Harold moved in. <laughs> Harold moved in right across the car park from me. And uh, Harold, as we soon discovered, was an ex-police officer, retired at 55. As soon as he retired, his wife left him. <laughs> she, I don't think she wanted him at home anymore, uh, which, you know, we found quite funny. But Harold was the nosiest bastard I have ever met in my entire life. Well, how much of what we did he knew, I don't know. Uh, I know for a fact that he was not Coventry, he was Leicester, uh, constabulary, and uh, he lived in Leicester up until him and his wife split. He'd got a daughter living in Coventry and a son living just on the outskirts of Coventry, and that's why he moved there. And he rented a flat, you know, the, about the only thing I would imagine he could afford on his pension. And I don't think he wanted to retire. <laughs> he was just the nosiest bastard you would ever wish to meet. If, for a start, he wouldn't talk to us. I mean, he, he kind of, where we lived, you see, where I lived at that point, there were, uh, there was about 50 apartments in each block so and some of them were higher than others so I guess you know I guess it was about a 75 um, uh, apartment complex and uh, I pretty much got to know my immediate neighbours but didn't really get to know the rest of the people there they they were kind of really weird bunch really there was a lot of people that um uh, a lot of companies had flats there because if you live abroad or if you work abroad and you come into Coventry to work for three weeks, then, you know, chances are your company would put you up in one of these flats. So there were company rented flats. There were a lot of people in these flats that had been divorced. Divorce settlement. Uh, they can't afford to buy out the wife or the husband or whatever. The house gets sold. They got to live somewhere. So they move into one of these rented flats. Um, old people that had pretty much retired um, moved back into the area or moved out of their uh, houses or whatever and you know didn't want to buy another place just wanted to rent there was a so there was a real mix of people uh two of the guys there were actors and i, I knew i knew both of them actually a good good set of guys um gay as night bob notes but they were a good set of guys and they, they always came round to Christmas parties that we had and we went round to theirs and, you know, there was a really, really good guys. So um, I kind of knew some of the neighbours, but not all of them. And in a place like that, where there are only 75 or so apartments in a complex, people do get to know each other, especially the old, retired, whatever. And they gossip. And... The gossip was, and I did know this, I was fully aware of this, the gossip was that there was a gangster living at number 21. <laughs> Which was my address. And uh, it it didn't take very long before Harold moved in and every sort of two, three days you'd see his daughter or his son around. And then after a couple of weeks, you didn't... <laughs> 
So they obviously got pissed off with him as well. And uh, he was just a nosy bastard. Uh, for some reason, he took it upon himself, for instance, this is for instance, to start noting down number plates, the time they arrived in the car park and the time they left. Why on earth would a normal sane person be doing that? <laughs> so anyway, we kind of ignored it. I mean, we used to see him out in the car park walking around taking down these numbers. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing, Harold? Anyway, um, so, you know, it it was... It was a nice place to live. It was a pleasant place to live. Nobody bothered me. I didn't bother anybody. Okay. We had uh, an immediate neighbour who was across a landing from uh, us. And uh, that guy I knew very well. I knew his wife even better. And before your dirty minds kick in, the only reason I knew his wife better was because his her husband worked away a lot. And they had a bit of a problem with a kind of, not a stalker, would I call him a stalker? A guy kept following her. Uh, I guess you would call him a stalker nowadays. I don't think we called it that at the time. But he kept following her and uh, she worked in town. There was a subway to get to the flats and she shat herself every time she entered the subway because this fucker would be in there. And so we arranged for him not to be in there anymore. <laughs> I think we, if I remember correctly, did we? I can't, we definitely um, put him on a journey, but I can't remember where it was. I, it was Scotland, but I think, I can't remember if it was Glasgow or Edinburgh. But we basically told him not to come back. And uh, we never did see him again. So anyway, uh, she was very grateful, husband was even more so, and he said, will you please keep an eye on it? And so every now and then, if she got worried, she got scared or whatever, she would knock the door and, you know, she'd come in and have a coffee. Now, the woman who lived directly downstairs from me was in her 70s. She'd lost her husband. He didn't have insurance. Um, she lost the house to death duties. And the last kind of year of his care, I think. Fucking Thatcher, bitch. And uh, she'd ended up in this place. Well, you know, we knew her to say hello to. And uh, she was a really nice old lady. So these are the people that we knew. Okay. Now, it must have been, I'm guessing probably about just after the first year of Harold being there that we noticed flashing coming from his... Uh, <laughs> no, not flashing as in he got his cock out. <laughs> we noticed flashes coming from his window, his bedroom window, I might add, which looked directly over onto my balcony, which was a full balcony, and it, there were full... The whole 16-foot length of the living room, there, were, there was a, a whole single window. And uh, we, I curtained it off, but I very often had them open. So from where he was, he could see everything that was going on in the living room, okay? Be it, you know, from across a car park. And we kept seeing flashes. And I wasn't the only one that noticed it. A couple of other people noticed it as well. Saying, what was that? I said, what? Something just flashed on his window. 
And anyway, we had a look at it and we were trying to work it out. And then, and then one of the boys, one of the boys brought round a scope that he had for a rifle. And he looked through this scope and sure enough, Harold has got a pair of binocs and he's spying on us. And I just thought, for fuck's sake. He's heard the rumours, he thinks it's true. He's a bored, sad old bastard. And he still thinks he's a private detective. Oh, for fuck. And he was, never was a detective. He was a, he was a beat bobby up until the age of 55. Never even made sergeant. Tells you a lot about the man. Uh, so anyway, uh, we started to draw the curtains. And uh, quite often, you know, we'd kind of have a little peer out and he'd be there. <laughs> and this went on for a, a month, maybe six weeks. And I said to a mate of mine, you know, because I had a mate that was really, really into uh, electronics and stuff. And uh, he was working at that time on a camera security system for uh, a well-known chain of um, carpet distributors. And uh, he said to me, you know, I can I can have a camera away if you want and rig it up, uh, put it on a SCART control to your VCR and then we'll start recording it. And I was like, oh, right, okay, but can we, like, you know, because it's quite way across car park, can we zoom into this? So we did, you know, we zoomed into it. We've got a uh, special lens on the end of this thing and, you know, zoom into it. And we'd be... <laughs> this is terrible. We would be sat in, in my living room, five or six of us with the curtains closed, the telly on, looking at Harold spying on us. <laughs> became quite a talking point you know and and then we started to wind him up uh, <laughs> it started to like a guy would drive in <laughs> one of our friends would drive in and uh, someone would meet him in the car park he'd pull out an envelope look around him hand the envelope to the other guy <laughs> and then the other guy would come to my flat and the first guy would drive off at speed and we were doing this like on and on and on and on. So anyway, anyway, the two guys that were the actors, right? Uh, they were saying, "Do you know what? If you if you really want to tuck this guy up, right? The best thing to do is to open the curtains and stage a shooting or something." <laughs> I know it's a terrible thing to do. I know, but anyway. We were pissing ourselves at this and uh, we thought about it and we kind of worked it out for about a week. And then we decided we were going to do it. And on the Saturday night, well, it was Saturday afternoon, everything that was in the flat that was even slightly bent, whether it be paperwork, um, whether it be IDs, um, false IDs, whether it be all the weaponry, all everything, absolutely everything. Uh, we put it all, boxed it, and sent it all off to my mate's house. So there was nothing in the flat to incriminate us. And uh, one of the uh, acting guys uh, said that, you know, I've got it, you know, I'll, I'll put the scenario together. What happens is, and he basically directed it, and what, what we did was we got a, um, uh, a starting pistol type gun, and uh, 
this thing had a hell of a flash on it when it shot especially in low light it had a hell of a flash on it because it was firing blanks of course and uh we, we stood like all set up and we undone the curtains and then the girlfriend of one of my mates come in and out of sight is one of these actors who's directing us <laughs> he said okay can you come forward and and i we kind of staged an argument right and uh, we we were looking on the telly. I mean, you could see on the telly Harold looking at us <laughs> through his binoculars, and it, we we're like staging this. And I pretend to hit her. She goes down. She gets up, starts hitting me. I hit her again. And anyway, the the, the bloody binoculars are going up and down. <laughs> I wouldn't believe. So anyway, then I stand pretty close to the window pull out this gun <laughs> fire three shots and this thing was just loud as fuck <laughs> so anyway we then um she goes down and uh you know i i then look around and i, I, I look around and grab my hair as if say oh my god i've shot her i've shot her. <laughs> and in the meantime the t- the two uh actors go back to their flat all right the lady downstairs, because of the noise, we'd already warned her. <laughs> she was great. She played along so well. Um, so the two actors had gone back to theirs. We warned the lady downstairs. We knew the flat that kind of sided onto mine. There wasn't anybody home so because they'd gone away. So we knew that, you know, there wasn't going to be anybody to corroborate the bangs that had happened. And we tried to stifle them as much as we could anyway. Uh, one of my mates grabbed uh, the gun and the girl and they uh, basically they left through the front entrance so you know we couldn't uh, Harold couldn't see what was going on and the next thing we hear are the sirens and uh, we just just knew (laughs) what was coming and we're kind of I'm left sat in the flat right with my mate and his girlfriend, who was a different girl to the one that we'd uh, used in the thing, that one of them was blonde, the other one was brunette. We did that on purpose because Harold was going to describe a blonde being shot. <laughs> so we sat in the flat. And uh, sure enough, uh, Nino, Nino, they all came in the car park and then came in the front car park. And Harold come running out and he's pointing at which flat it is. <laughs> <laughs> watching this and we dismantled the camera by the way at this point as well so the police didn't see it when they turned up and then uh next thing we hear uh uh bang 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 on the door and it <laughs> our police our police put your weapons down <laughs> open the door and I, I said all right all right i'm coming to the door i'm coming to the door i'm not armed i'm not armed and I opened the door just slightly on the Yale and the fucking thing just got smashed in from that point. They just pushed past me. Went in the front room with these, these semi-automatic machine things, pistols or whatever they were. And we're pointing them all around. Then they checked the bedroom. They got me on the floor, handcuffed behind me back. The girl in the front room, she was lying on the couch. Her hands had been handcuffed. And her boyfriend was lying on the carpet and his hands had been handcuffed. And we were like, what the hell is this? 
And he's, this copper, who's obviously in charge, it, the other guys had gone clear, and he said, check cupboards, check everything, I want everything checked. And of course, it, that, these coppers are looking around, and I was going, mind what you do with those weapons, officers. <laughs> I was just taking the piss. Just absolutely taking the piss. So, um, anyway, they looked around, and they said, uh, where's the gun? And I said, What? And they said, where's the gun? You've been seen with a gun. Shots were fired in here. And I, I just went, what? <laughs> Pleaded complete ignorance and claimed that we were watching a film. <laughs> now, the film, as it happens, we'd seen before. So we knew the point, the plot up until that point in the film. And we'd wound the film on about an hour. So it really looked as though we'd been watching it. Well... Anyway, the police are there for about 20 minutes and they're just, you know, trying to decide whether or not to bring us in or arrest us. But on what? (laughs) What evidence? And then I hear Harold down at the next landing and there's this copper down there saying, Harold, are you sure? You absolutely sure? (laughs) He was like, yes, yes, I'm sure. Have you got the right flat? Yes, I've got the right flat. So they sent the coppers door knocking on the other flats just to make sure Harold had got the right flat. And uh, anyway, it it went on for about 20, 30 minutes. And then these coppers released us from handcuffs. And uh, I was, you know, Christ, what, what is going on? Said, oh, one of your neighbours thought they saw something here. But maybe it was on the television and it reflected off a... Uh, a mirror or perhaps a, a, a picture in a frame or whatever but he saw flashes and thought it was a gun and I was like really and uh, they were like yeah I said who is it he said well we'd, we'd rather not discuss it I said oh don't worry I know who it is it's that weird guy across the road that keeps taking the numbers of all the cars that come in and out of the car park and questioning people and stuff it's, he's a weird guy <laughs> I went oh right okay so they went downstairs again so anyway uh we then um (laughs) we then left it for about a week and harold was obviously pretty fucking livid and he doubled tripled his efforts to keeping an eye on us uh he was at his window every single night most of the day and you know he was really kind of going at it so anyway, the, now we're talking about about a month after that incident and he hasn't let up on it, right? So two o'clock in the morning, we know that Harold went to bed about half one and two o'clock in the morning, uh, we decided to go round to his place and in the doors on the particular flats that he was in, uh, they had like a glass panel and... Uh, we knew where his bedroom was in association to the glass panel. So, and it was literally just off the corridor. So we went round with a pane of glass, right? And now this pane of glass was literally 24 inches by 12, okay? Um, We went round, creeped up to where his bedroom, (laughs) to where his bedroom uh, window was. And, uh, what we did was we basically tried his door a couple of times, tried the knocker on his door, 
and we we heard him then stir in his bedroom and then we smashed this pane of glass into a rag okay put the paint put the, <laughs> just tied the knots on the pane of glass that we'd smashed and then like very very slowly creeped away we got back to my flat turned all the lights were off everything was done next thing we hear Nino Nino <laughs> the police turn up at Harold's place on mass there must have been um I don't know if you get that sort of treatment being an ex-copper or whatever but uh there must have been six cars <laughs> turned up to this and Harold's obviously in there saying they broke into my flat and the cops are going to be looking around going, where's the break <laughs> we uh oh god we did this uh at least four times over the next six months similar sort of things we opened the letterbox and uh we used what one of these uh actors had got for us which was prop smoke and uh it's uh it's odorless um it's <laughs> it just makes a lot of smoke and what we did was wait until around about half one one night and we put a cat it was in a uh, aerosol can and we, I can't stop laughing <laughs> we put the uh aerosol can nozzle through his letterbox and <laughs> started spraying this stuff all into his hall so you couldn't see a damn thing and then we banged on his door and went fire <laughs> well um harold obviously came to where the hall was saw the smoke and got out of another uh exit which in his case because of the way his places were set up the only exit was through the front window onto another balcony and he obviously dived out of the front window, got on the balcony, started screaming for somebody to call the fire brigade. <laughs> when the fire brigade got there, <laughs> Nina, Nina. Oh, I know, I know, you shouldn't make crank calls, but God. When the fire brigade got there, there wasn't any smoke. <laughs> oh, dear. Harold uh, had a visit from the police the following day together with another guy and we didn't quite know who he was uh but uh they they entered the flat and they were in there for probably i don't know maybe an hour maybe a little bit longer and then uh a little while after that we saw his son turn up and we knew his son turned up because he took his binocs away from gazing at us and by this point by the way it wasn't only us he was gazing at it was a lot of others and uh yeah his son turned up and um about about an hour after that his daughter turned up then some woman turned up and then uh he left got into a car and went and we never saw him again <laughs> well probably a few days after that i was just leaving the flat and uh 
Sure enough, in the car park is a van and Harold's son and daughter are in there. And I said, uh, oh, you're right. You, you like moving already? He said, oh, yeah, he, d- he didn't get on very well with it here. We've, um, we, he's going to live with my aunt. <laughs> I said, oh, right, OK. Oh, that's a shame. He seemed like a, a nice bloke. He seemed to take a lot of numbers in the car park then. And his daughter went, yeah, numbers, pictures. <laughs> what? He'd taken, <laughs> taken hundreds of photographs and had them up on his walls in his flat. And he'd <laughs> got these binoculars, binoculars, binoculars and binoculars. And uh, uh, she, by this point, had realised that he'd gone mentally <laughs> fucking nuts. It's not a funny thing. I know it's not a funny thing, but we we drove the guy nuts, I think. And uh, afterwards, he made quite a few allegations about things that had been going on at the flat. Well, the police just stopped turning up because what they do is the first two or three interviews he gave to the police uh he said oh they've been doing this they've been doing that they've been you know winding me up they've been and uh the police would come around and say look harold's saying this harold's saying that go, look who gives a shit about the guy i don't care you know what he was up to you know he's nothing to do with me and then after the next set of allegations they just phone us up <laughs> he said this now do you want to pick that one up nah <laughs> Oh, God. And then we started to query his mental state. I think the police did as well. The fire brigade were well pissed. Um, I think uh, ambulances were called twice. Fire brigade about three times. And the police six or seven times. And then the one time with the um, response unit. (laughs) Before they decided that Harold was fucking nuts. But, you know, it's it's a moment of my past that I don't think... Um, I don't think I'll ever really forget. Although, I kind of pushed it to the back of my mind for a while. Now, I feel quite guilty about it. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like I feel guilty, doesn't it? Um, but, you know, it was just it was just an amazing few months that led into a little bit longer than that, that, you know, we would sit and watch TV of Harold sitting watching us, <laughs> just sitting there and drinking a beer, watching Harold twitching his curtains with his binocs. It was just such a funny time. It really was. Had he have had any inclination as to what had been actually going on? <laughs> oh, God. We'd had so many things happen in that place. The guy that turned up with uh, the boxes of weapons and then chose to clean them on my floor, on my carpet, uh, leaving gun oil all over the damn place, for instance. Um, The guy that accidentally let off the AK-47 in my front room. That was not impressive at all. Had he been around for any of that, then, you know, maybe, maybe he could have caused us a few problems. But really, what a nosy bastard. (laughs) I never heard anything from him again, but I'm sure 
that somewhere we sent the guy fucking nuts and he ended up in a home and uh you know it's a lesson to us all isn't it <laughs> really don't poke your nose in other people's shit because you might get it chopped off lesson learned guys as ever I will see you on the dark side. And don't forget to hit that donate button. I don't want to sound like a wanker, guys, but really. I'll see you later, guys. You all take care. See you soon. Welcome to the world of digital sound. Shutting down all systems.